Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Check your panties. Aging Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I'm having chest pain. So sit down, shut the fuck up, take your cock out of your hand, and listen. Joey Valentine. Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of Fat Guy Loves Cake. I am Joey Valentine. It's the day after Christmas, 12-26-2022, December the 26th. How are all my chilly willies doing? Everybody surviving the cold? It is a crisp 45 degrees right now, and it was like 20 overnight, and it was brutal, and I hate it, and (laughs) us southern folks do not like the cold weather, but we are getting by. Thank God, no ice and no snow. So I've got a lot to get to and very little time to do it, so we're just going to jump right in. For all my Texas listeners, here's a very interesting thing that I found out over the Christmas weekend. It's legal to fight. Okay, you know, normally you think, all right, if you've engaged in a brawl, if you and another man, you're at a bar and you want to fight, that there's going to be law involved. You're both going to get that either one of you is going to get arrested or both, or you're going to get charges for assaulting each other. Well, come to find out, it is actually 100% legal to fight in Texas as long as you both agree to it beforehand. Look, I'll be the first to tell you that violence is never the answer to any problem. But every once in a while, two people decide that it is the answer to the current situation. So, there is one thing that individuals must do, otherwise it's illegal, according to Penal Code 22.06 in the Lone Star State. The people wanting to fight must verbally agree that they want to fight. Of course, weapons are not allowed, otherwise the law does come into effect. But Texas is the, according to KSAT, the only other state in the Union where mutual combat is legal is Washington. So in 50 states, only two can fight if both participants agree to it. So remember that, folks. (laughs) Although it doesn't say anything about, like, where the fight is taking place, because I'm pretty fucking sure that if somebody steps to me and I'm like, hey... Uh, I'm legally bound to ask you this, but do you want to fight? And he says, yes, but we just happen to be in the middle of Chuck E. Cheese. There's still probably going to be some charges stemming from that. Just if I had to guess. So uh, my advice to you is ask and then take it outside. That's good. That's going to be like my new. I want to put this to the test so fucking bad, you know. Guy cuts you off when you're walking through the aisles of the grocery store or whatever. You two get into a little bit of a verbal tiff and you go, hey, you want to fucking fight? And he's like, let's go. And I'll be like, okay, all right, hold on, though. According to Penal Code 22.06 of the Texas Constitution, I must get your verbal consent that you do want to fight. And he's like, what? Like, yeah, I need you to say yes. He's like, yeah, motherfucker, I just said I want to fight. Like, okay, okay. And I, too, would also like to engage in combat. Now, let's walk calmly to the outside, and we can take care of our business. <laughs> You'd be like, you mental or something, man. I can't, I can't beat up on somebody that's handicapped. If you caught Friday's show, I told you a whole bunch of interesting facts about Christmas that you may or may not know, things that I had researched and I thought would be interesting to tell you guys. And one of them was about a game called Hot Cockles. Yes, that's right, Hot Cock. Bulls, C-O-C-K-L-E-S. 
And when I started doing more research on it, I came across an article about 10 medieval games that are really fucking brutal. And I wanted to share that with you guys because I thought it was super interesting. I don't know if I'll use all 10, but I'm going to go through them and I'm going to read them so you can see what you think. Okay, so number 10 is called Game Ball or Soul. And from what I can tell, it looks like a primitive version of American football. There are no rules at all in regards to the numbers on a team. Violent behavior such as pushing or trampling opponents was allowed. There were practically no other rules. Teams competed and tried to get the ball, a stuffed animal bladder, over the line to score. Goalposts were movable and sometimes could even be two miles apart. Matches between rival villages often lasted for several days. Some team members could be stabbed to death as knives were not banned. William Middleton, a Welsh poet of the 16th century, wrote about the numerous injuries sustained by players. The game was considered so dangerous that King Edward IV and other monarchs had laws passed which forbade this dangerous and violent sport. It took centuries for the sport to become the almost genteel game of soccer and American football of today. Now, I don't know about you guys, but me personally... I'm all for the NFL bringing knives into the game and no fucking rules. (laughs) All right. Number nine, hunting. Uh, We all know what hunting is. We can skip that one. Number eight, hot cockles. I'll go ahead and tell you about hot cockles again, because this one was a little more elaborate than the first one I read. This is a vaguely sadistic party game, which was a great favorite with the upper classes at Christmas parties and other celebrations. It was popular from medieval times right up to the Victorian era. A person gets blindfolded, they put their head in the lap of someone else, you got a big group of people, I'm assuming you must know them, because you have to guess who's spanking you, who's punching you in the kidneys, who's slapping you on the back, okay, and this could get like really brutally violent, and you have to guess who is the person doing it to you. It doesn't say, like, if you're looking, you know, I think one way that you should be able to play the game is you can see everyone in front of you. Then you can kind of, like, do power of deduction and go, all right, uh, I don't see Aaron, so he must be the one smacking me in the ass. It's Aaron. And if I guess right, then Aaron becomes the one getting smacked in the ass. That's hot cockles. That's a game that really needs to see a comeback. Number seven, we've got jousting. This sport was a continuation of the Roman gladiatorial games and was no less dangerous. Basically, two knights in full armor and with lances raced on horseback towards each other and tried to unseat their opponent. You can only imagine the dangerous collisions and resulting injuries. Often the lances were broken and there were many nasty injuries and death as a result. Backs and necks were broken, and sometimes I know I shouldn't be laughing at that, but it's just like the idea. It's like it's common, you know, common knowledge, bro. Like we're going to jousting, yeah, but somebody might get their back or neck broken. Yeah, duh, that's why we go. Backs and necks were broken, and sometimes swords and battle axes were used with drastic consequences for the contestants. This was a high impact and high speed sport with little protective gear. Henry II of France was killed in a jousting accident. A splinter from his opponent's lance pierced his brain. Number six, the game of shinty. The game of shinty came originally from Ireland, where it's known as hurling. Records show that the Gales who migrated in ancient times to Scotland brought the game with them. Hurling is still enormously popular in Ireland, where the hurley stick is broad and slightly curved. It looks like a kind of like a hockey stick. In medieval Scotland, shinty matches, sometimes involving massive teams of rival villagers, took place on New Year's Day. 
Cold weather sometimes meant that shinty was played on the frozen lakes. Players used skates made from cattle shin bones. Ice hockey is now a pale reflection of what really went on in a medieval shinty match, whether played on grass or ice. Players were allowed to tackle and block each other using the cabin, the shinty stick. The goals were known as hails, and the teams competed by trying to get the leather ball into those areas to score. This was a full contact sport, no protective gear, so you can only imagine the injuries. And they were allowed to drink as well. (laughs) Gee, in Ireland? They drank? <laughs> this is my kind of game. Fucking shinty, man. You're talking about it. Uh, like, in ice hockey, and I'm not about to downplay ice hockey, because believe me, if those men were allowed to, they'd take their shit off and they'd do exactly what I just read. But this, this is a game I would love to see played. You're talking about not a five-on-five. There aren't referees. There aren't goaltenders with protective gear. This is village versus village with sticks in weather so cold that the ground is frozen, smacking the shit out of each other, drunk. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. Why is this not on pay-per-view? Let's take a quick break and we'll do the last five when we come back. This is Justin Bieber and you're listening to my favorite podcast ever, Fat Guy Loves Cake with Joey Valentine. Hello, all you bud-loving bud-lovers. This is Lafayette from Nerds Talking the Podcast, and I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about our show. You might think that because the show has nerds in the name that we talk about things like comic book movies and anime. But don't be fooled because we're really just nerdy-looking guys who love to do really freaky shit. Come and join us every Friday and hear me talk about how much I love sticking things in my tight little ass. Oh, did I say tight? I guess it's not so tight anymore after the hundreds of different men I've had in there. Tune in and listen as I put grease on a microphone and slide it in and out of my asshole for your listening pleasure. That's right, there is nothing I won't put in my ass. I'm so fucking gay I make Rock Hudson ashamed to say he's queer. When I'm too busy doing other things I walk around with a potato in my ass. I wish I could rent space out to little people to live in my ass. I'm so fucking gay. If this sounds like your kind of show, bring your tight little ass to whatever platform you use and listen to nerds fisting, I mean talking, the podcast. Cock. Balls. Jeez. Dunk your nuts in my mouth. Number five, archery. Now, again, this article is about dangerous games, so I'll go ahead and read about it because I I don't know how archery is uh, considered dangerous. But if you lived in England in 1252 and you were a male older than 15 years old, you were required by law to own a bow and arrow. Archery was an essential skill in warfare. The longbow archers were highly trained and they could fire up to 12 arrows in 60 seconds. It is said that an arrow released from a longbow can actually pierce the plate armor of an enemy at a distance of 250 yards. That's fucking nuts. I did not know that. No great risk here when practiced as a sport, but when used in battle, the longbows were stunningly effective. The English archers at the Battle of Creasy in 1346 killed more than 2,000 French soldiers with their longbow arrows. Wow, pierced an armor plate at 250 yards? I don't know if a 22 would pierce armor. Number four, we're back to the Irish. (laughs) 
Of course, all these dangerous sports involving alcohol. Ireland makes their second appearance. This one is called Irish Stick Fighting. <laughs> That's real creative. Before I even read anything, I'm going to guess. Two men, drunk, beat the shit out of each other with sticks. <laughs> Fighting with cudgels and sticks was a universal sport in medieval times for some reason. The shillelag from the Gaelic word <laughs> what? <laughs> Meaning oak club. I feel like I know how to pronounce Gaelic. I'm just trying here my best, folks. Don't don't send me a bunch of nasty Irish letters drunkenly writing me after hearing this. In Ireland is the traditional wooden stick, which originally came from the Shilega Shillelag. Shillelag. Shillela? Shillelag? Shillela? I'm going to go with Shillela. Oak Forest in County Wicklow. Most people associate this type of baton with a walking stick, but its original use was as a weapon. It was extremely useful in defending yourself against wild animals and robbers. I think I know what they're talking about. It's like a fucking stick that's like taller than you and with like a big knob on the end. It's nice and polished. Uh, <laughs> um... The ancient Celts held games known as the Far... Come on, I can't pronounce that. Fiancliochi and stick fighting was a very popular contest. And it goes on to say there's a video you can watch here to get the idea of different thrusts. <sighs> there were also precise rules because it was not a drunken brawl, as many people think. I don't fucking buy that for a second. In medieval times, Irish stick fighting had become a standard method to settle tenants' rights. Okay, so you're telling me that when somebody owed rent, they deal with it by fighting the landlord with a fucking stick? Again, something that needs to be brought back. The typical challenge was to drag a coat along the ground and dare the opposition faction to even touch it. These fights were fierce and violent. Serious injury, maiming, and death were a natural aftermath. The surprising thing is that women were allowed to take part. However, they were not allowed to be hit by the men, although the women could hit the men. Now, see, that's progressive. That's equal rights. <laughs> you got villagers stick fighting. Men can hit men. Women can hit women. Women can hit men, but men can't hit women. I say I, that's fucking what I'm talking about right now. We need a little bit of that right now. Number three is hammer throwing. Hammer throwing has very ancient roots. The Celtic games in Ireland, known as the Tetlugo, go back as far as 2000 BC. Again, Ireland, I am so sorry. And hammer throwing is believed to have been one of the contests there. In Ireland, the first contestants used a cartwheel, no doubt inspired by the legendary Kukulayun, who is said to have started the trend. Hammer throwing became very popular in Scotland when Edward I banned Scots from possessing any weapons. Then they turned to the hammer as an alternative. What? We're not fighting with hammers. We're playing a sport. <laughs> what are you carrying that hammer around for? Ah, hammer thrower. Not a weapon. <laughs> Basically, the hammer, weighing 7 kilograms for men and about 4 kilograms for women in today's competitions, has to be thrown as far as possible. Contestants spin around three times, which allow them to gain momentum before they throw. Speed is the essence here, as indeed are strength and accuracy. In medieval times, throwing often involved accidents as stray hammers flew into the crowd, causing many deaths and terrible injuries. 
well, there's the reason this made the list. That's fucking horrible, man. You know, like when you're at a racetrack and the cars fly into the stands. Okay, now imagine you're just like drinking your meat or whatever. You're like, dude, this I love hammer throwing, and then one cuts fucking loose into a crowd of people. That must have been gnarly, man. Turned all these Irish folks into ground chuck. Nowadays, there are protective railing and fences to protect spectators. Well, thank God. Number two, uh, I actually just finished reading number two, and because of the incredible amount of animal cruelty, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to delete it, so I apologize. I'm not even going to mention it. Your number one on the list is sword fights and dueling. In the late medieval period, dueling was enormously popular with the noble classes. It was also practiced as a vital preparation for war when man-to-man combat would be expected. When wars were not raging, duels were usually fought to defend a man's honor or to decide who would win a woman's hand in marriage. Judicial combat was accepted as a way of settling disputes. God would side with the innocent party, it was widely believed. The winner was rarely regarded as a murderer, and his social standing usually rose to stellar levels. In medieval times, it also became a popular sport in tournaments. Sometimes these matches were fought to the point of surrender or for pleasure. The longsword was the favorite weapon, and it usually required two hands as it weighed about four pounds, but other weapons could be used, such as axes, daggers, and pole axes. Shields were used to attack and as defense weapons. There were many techniques to learn, especially the art of dodging and parrying. During the tournaments, there were a high number of casualties, and the whole affair was not as chivalrous as you might think. It was usually chaotic, brutal, and violent. Henry VIII suffered a severe leg injury when his horse fell on him in a jousting tournament. Medieval fighting is now making a comeback, and there are clubs in the USA and Europe where fighters recreate the medieval atmosphere by fighting with longswords. It has been called the world's most violent hobby. The weapons used are not as sharp, and stabbing is not allowed to minimize the possibility of being seriously injured. Okay, just a reminder, folks. Stabbing is not allowed. (laughs) So there's your list of nine. I said ten, but nine, as I had to omit one, of dangerous medieval sports. I hope you've enjoyed that list. I sure did. Uh, Man, I had so much to get to today, so it's going to have to pour over to the next show. I've only got one more thing I want to talk about. Uh, in honor of Lafayette from Nerds Talking the Podcast. <laughs> I had read about this a long time ago, but I, I finally tracked down an article about it, and I wanted to share it with you guys because, well, <laughs> it just seems so appropriate. Because in 1994, the U.S., yes, the U.S., the United States, our country, our military, actually considered building a gay bomb. The concept of a gay bomb sounds like something out of a bad science fiction movie. A bomb that would drop a mixture of chemicals on the enemy and literally make them fall in love with one another to distract them from their wartime duties. It seems impossible, right? Very far-fetched. Like, what the fuck? But yes, in 1994, the U.S. Department of Defense was looking into a theoretical chemical weapon that would disrupt enemy morale debilitating enemy soldiers, but not going so far as to kill them, but to, in fact, make them want to hump each other. (laughs) Okay, so this is the gist of it. The Air Force Defense Laboratory was like, we need to neutralize enemy soldiers, but we want to find a way to do that without killing them, which is cool, you know? 
Like, because war is hell, and you know lots and lots of people die, and that sucks. But, you know, for the idea of the U.S. government to be like, let's find a way to where we can neutralize them without actually having to take life, I, that's very commendable. However, <laughs> the idea of turning them gay is just hilarious. They wanted to find a way that they could make them want to have sex. Not just sex, but sex with each other. So, they put together a three-page proposal in which they detailed their 7.5 million invention, the gay bomb, which is also what people call Lafayette. The gay bomb would be a cloud of gas that would be discharged over enemy camps that contain a chemical that would cause enemy soldiers to become gay and have their units break down because all the soldiers became irresistibly attracted to one another. That is so fucking awesome. <laughs> we have conquered the Americans. Oh, how? <laughs> we dropped the gay bomb on them. Most of them were pretty gay to begin with, but now all of them are. <laughs> Sorry, that's the French invading us with the gay bomb. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the bomb was going to include all kinds of aphrodisiacs and other scents. But yeah, that uh, never came to fruition. Thankfully, the gay bomb was only ever theoretical and never put into motion. So that's the gay bomb. You heard it first here. Coming from the only country brave enough to explore the option, the gay bomb, TGB. God, I'm stupid. Okay, that's going to wrap this show, man. That sucks. I only got through like a third of the things I wanted to talk about today, but I don't have time to go any farther. So uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope everyone enjoyed the Die Hard episode from yesterday. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen. I wrote a, I put a lot of time into that, man. I wrote a Die Hard poem, and it's pretty good considering I don't, see myself as much of a poet storyteller yes poet no and it's really hard to rhyme things with nakatomi and building and gruber <laughs> that was tough to fucking do and yippee kaye motherfucker i found a way though i did find a way hug your children kiss your kitty cats and please be nice i will see you this coming wednesday i love you all very much have a wonderful week Yeah, that's probably enough.